0: What is up everybody, welcome to The Stack, I'm Alex I'm Justin I'm Pete And this is our first comic book review stack of 2024 The comics are fresh, and so are we got So to, are we We got well, new opinions, here. we feel differently about things Our resolution is to come at things Pretty in a old. different way So instead we're gonna shit on absolutely everything <laughs> That's get. what I'm talking about <laughs> No, I open your
1: mind. I'm
0: kidding. We're going to do the same old opinions we've always done for years and years and years.
2: So let's get Alex. On no, no, not that either. These oh, are new, okay. but not really new. Somewhere in yes. the middle.
0: OK. All right. Let's see what happens. Starting with this title. So Fall, let's just um, so real quick, Alex. Let's start <laughs> with like a so. safe
2: to, uh, something we can yes. just all get oh, behind. So just to ease have into some the air. Fun. Something yeah, that we're yeah. not going to fight about. Ease into
0: well, it. I'll tell you what. If you give me a second to talk about this, "Fall the House of X," number one from Marvel, written by Jerry Duke and art I by Markus Cornick. This is the official kickoff. It's the beginning of the end of the Krakoa era, and we are picking up on a lot of plot threads here as Cyclops is on trial for Crimes Against Humanity by Orcus. That is their final move to move in and just, as they say at a certain point of the issue, take the hood off and be what they're going to be, which is they want to kill all mutants. Meanwhile, the X-Men are saying, well, we're not ready, but we're out of time. We're going to fight back against them and take the planet back at the same time. So I know Justin and I have been in the tank for the fall of X stuff, but I thought maybe reading this issue, Pete... You wanted to this to end for a while, so getting to see how it all goes down, I thought potentially might be interesting to you, might be a refreshing change of pace. And there are a lot of big things that go down in here. Well get an awesome sequence, I thought, with Cyclops and Wolverine talking about the Fastball
2: Colossus. special. Colossus and Wolverine. Colossus Wolverine. Wait, I'll did get I say? that. What, what? Cyclops? You Cyclops. Oh, Cyclops.
1: Oh, I don't know. They're all the same. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I read the notes that I have? Can I read <laughs> Fun, the notes bunch that of I have? But she
0: dressed up in costumes. Who even cares? Well,
2: grow up. Grow up. It's twenty twenty four. Get a job. Uh, Alex, old man. Alex is checked in in twenty twenty four. Everyone has a tipping point. Alex hit it. Pete, you have some notes. You want to shout? Yep.
1: Okay. Okay, so first off, it starts with Cyclops talking about his dreams. Um, I I don't care. Uh, I don't want <laughs> more Cyclops. I want less Cyclops. There's uh, barely any Cyclops in your life. You don't have
2: to. It's this is the merest taste of Cyclops, and you're already mad.
1: Okay, so, for, so I tried to be an open minded about this. I was like, oh man, the Dukes is on this. This is you know number one. Let's try to let's, let's try words, to be open minded. The and then. Yeah, and so uh you know it starts with psychops and I was like fuck fucking fuck. Um and so then then we see the pinata or screwball special. <sighs> dark times. These are dark times. You th- didn't like th- that? No, I didn't like that. It's taking something we know and love and then making it creepier and weirder where you throw it at Wolverine and he just holds up his claws and just fucking shreds the guy. What? I was like, that sounds Jesus. like something you'd love. I thought you would like that also. Um... It's just weird. It's just, I don't know why, okay? And wow. then, then the, they've been this. hyping up Nimrod the whole time, and Nimrod gets a loogie hocked on him, and he's just done. That's it. That was the big villain showdown. Wow. And then the other... Hump Island yeah, turned into a group and just kind of, like, swam away. I'm sure someone's having fun with this. I just wish it was me because I see things happening, and I'm like, oh, man, I want to like this. I I just uh, can't get behind it.
2: I, I, I It's nice to hear that you want to like it. That's the first step toward liking something. And, uh, <laughs> and great. It's a great step forward for Pete in this, uh, the year of our Lord Cyclops, 2024. I uh, enjoyed this. Uh, I like that we get little sort of tastes. I like that it felt like this was going to be a big rallying point issue. But instead, Professor X fucks up their plan almost immediately <laughs> for reasons we don't know. I was like... I was like, what? They're still not f- on the same page? And and I, I that feels intentional in a way that I think is actually nice. I like that it's a little bit scrappier of an X-Men situation. I like Cyclops taking more center stage, dropping some philosophy here and being able to sort of – I like the choices that were made here. I won't spoil them. Uh, I agree The the screwball special, I was like, this is – Quite dark, uh, but I thought that's what you would like about it, Pete. But maybe that's meant to be a comment on the place the X-Men are at, though they were up against the wall.
0: Well, you've been talking a lot, Justin, about there being a lack of central point to the X-Men books. I know yes, I've fine. said several other books. I've felt that, but this is definitely... Okay, here we go. This is like if they've been pushing the ball up the hill the entire time, Sisyphus style, they've finally gotten to that mountain peak and it's starting to roll down here. And you really can, to your point, feel that in the issue. They have multiple conversations where they're like, we're not ready. We are not ready for this fight. We got to do it anyway. You do, like you said, you have that great thing with Professor X screwing it up again, which they don't know what's going on. But you also have... Kitty Pride smiling, which we haven't seen at least in a couple of months, which I thought was great. Being like, here we go, there's we're
1: That's why you like
0: No, it. I liked a lot of different parts of this. It did feel Kitty like classic smile- X-Men
1: to me. Kitty when smiles Kitty at smiles Alex. smiles the whole world. Yeah, she was smiling yeah, exactly. directly at me, I believe. Exactly. You lit up like a fucking
0: Christmas tree. I did. What a nice week for me. And then she looked at me and said, I love you, Alex, leave your wife for me And I was like, Well, it's a new You're year. like, I can't. <laughs> oh yeah. no. I but you're two dimensional and I'm three dimensional. Yeah. How can make this ever intang- work?
2: Make me intangible and let's run away from it all. Uh,
0: No, I liked that this felt like classic X-Men to me, down to the shout-outs to the trial of Magneto in Paris. I think that was X-Men 200. I remember that very distinctly, that whole plot line. Um, I thought that was good. I thought this was a really good Cyclops in here. I liked the speech that he had. I liked the goodbye. I think there's every chance that he is going to die here. The line that he says to one of the doctors from Orcus uh, oh, one of the people From Orcus Who's imprisoning him When they say Hey, somebody's here To see you and He says Oh, is it a funny Powerful redhead With sharp knives Floating around her Great line Very so Really well written Very funny For such yeah. a dire situation I Agree
2: And really great art Throughout as well So I'm excited About this closing event Well, you think Cyclops is gonna die? I think he needs A huge redemptive moment here He's been down and out This whole
1: Almost well, the whole Cocoan era
0: This is, if you want to speculate wildly for a second, you've got this miniseries, you've got the other one that Kieran Gillen is doing, Rise of the Powers of X, that takes place 10 years later after they lost. Um, I think there's got to be some sort of soft reset, if you want to call it that. Like, not the killing Moira hard reset, because that would reset the entire timeline, but there's going to be something that's going to reset the situation. And I think when you have a reset, you can do things like... Oh, you think they're going to save Cyclops? Nope. He is literally hung in the town square or something like that and dies.
2: That's dark. That's much darker than I think. I
0: think we're going to get that. I, I think we're going to see over You think over they're the going to of...
2: pinata special
0: him? <laughs> I think they are. <laughs> Absolutely. You're going to do that next time you see a pinata, Pete, take three knives and be like, pinata special. That's what you do. Throw
2: the pinata at me. I want to go to a party and have Pete be like, <laughs> throw that pinata at me. And all the kids be like, what are you doing, you two old weirdos? <laughs> and, and they're the like, Yoda don't special. you worry. Pete holds up two, three plastic knives.
0: <laughs> three plastic knives and tosses them a copy of Fall of House of X number one. He's like, there's your explanation.
2: And, and just so you know, Pete has had plastic grafted to his bones. It's not so, like Wolverine. It's plastic it's,
0: surgery. Everybody
2: knows that. he's yeah. <laughs> <Pete's laughs> wow. had plastic wow. surgery. That's what I was saying.
0: Yeah, well, uh, clearly you didn't kneel before this comic, but maybe you kneel before Zod, number one, from DC Comics, oh, written wow. by Joe Casey, art by Dan McCade. <laughs> the Segways is even better in 2024. Not, not yet. <laughs> this is, of course, he's spinning. saying Wait for it, Pete. Yeah, wait yeah. for it. You got to wait for it. The uh, this is spitting off of the super bad books. If you don't know the current continuity of Zod, he is buried. However, Kryptonians do it to Ursa. They have a son who's kind of a jerk. He's going to be spitting off into his own series called Sinister Sons. And meanwhile, they have their own planet that has been recognized with sovereignty by the Federation. It's
2: not the Federation
0: of Planets, the United Planets or whatever they call them. The DC, I think right?
2: it's called the United Planets.
0: I don't know. Grob, Come on. Uh, the
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> So that's what's going on here. But we basically got like a, sort of a light Game of Thrones situation, I would call it, where it's a lot of palace intrigue and other things going on. But the promise palace that more intrigue. is to come as Zod potentially goes hog wild. What do you guys think about this issue?
1: Well, I was like, "What the hell is this going to be?" And I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, but I I I feel like they did a great exploration into basically. It seemed like a day in the life of Zod here on his uh, in his home world with his family, and and I I wasn't surprised to see that his son was a real asshole. I thought it might have been fun if it was like his son was like totally opposite, you know, like super caring bright, you know, just kind of uh, full of sunshine individual. Um but yeah I I I like this a lot more than I thought it was going to the art's fantastic. I was impressed.
2: Uh I really like the art in this. I was very surprised by the book itself. It's surprisingly day in the life of a guy who's pretty miserable the whole time. He's so
1: mad. It's sad dude what'd you think? I, like, he was like, I, like skipping around being like woohoo yeah, well I think the lighter side I imagine that a lot of this
0: book is going to be exactly what his son prods him on, basically being like, you're not Zod. You're not being Zod right now. You're just running this planet. You're playing it safe. You're supposed to be a conqueror. You're supposed to take over the galaxy. Bureaucracy. Um, And that's the push and pull here that we're going to, I assume, eventually get towards, but I guess we'll see.
2: And you're saying, Alex, don't prod the Zod. (laughs) Don't prod the Zod. (laughs) Don't prod the Zod. You don't want to do that.
0: I don't want to say my favorite episode of Seinfeld, but it's definitely top five.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that very well could be an episode of Seinfeld. Uh I I also think it's funny in here, the Coons. Everyone's wrecking the Coons. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't they the the alien folks that come down and they're just always getting murdered. They're the chitari of the DC universe. Like, let's get these guys a win. Yeah. Huh? Totally.
0: They deal before Coons. There you go. Yeah. Pine and Merrimack, number one, from Image Comics, written by Kyle Starks, art by Fran Galan. This is a new mystery series about two detectives who never take on murders and never take on intense cases. They both have some darkness in their past, but do they get sucked into a case they don't want to take? Of course they do by the end. ah oh, man. This is, now,
2: yeah. I was going to say, of all the books we read this week, I was like, Pete is going to love this. This is a over-the-plate okay. Pete rom-com beat. Book with like some maybe interesting uh mystery, but just like cute characters hanging out. Any did I nail it, Pete? Uh,
1: you did mostly. Um, I didn't like how she treated him, uh, but I really love their story, I love this whole setup. The art was super tight nanners. Uh, I feel like this has like a cool uh, a tone to it, like a lot of yellows and stuff, which I felt like mm, gave yeah. off like a cool vibe. Uh, yeah, I th- I thought this was like a great kind of setup. Like they did a great job of being like, all right, this is the first issue. This is what the deal is. Buckle up because it's going to be more of this. And I was like, yeah, great. Um, I, I hope it gets to a little bit better place. Uh, you know, maybe it's just a weird moment in time that we saw. But the way she was like, get them. You know what I mean? I was. A I little, think that's. A,
2: I, I really liked their their relationship. I thought it was really like, really felt really real in the way they were so familiar with each other and could do stuff like that. Feels like a nice love story at the center of this stuff. Like this feels like a TV show to me that I I would mm-hmm. watch. Uh, Agreed. In a moment.
0: Uh, I mean, a couple of reference points I'll make. This feels like an extension of the romance that Kyle Starks wrote in I Hate This Place a little bit because, you you have a very mismatched Ah. pair going on there. It also—and this is just because of the detective thing—reminded me a little bit of Stumptown, the Greg Rucka book, a little bit. Wow, okay. Good refs. funnier uh, because it's Kyle Starks, and even when you have a relatively serious book, he can't help but— Throw a couple of jokes in there, like the title, their names are not pieted, Mary Back. That is yeah. where they work, and that feels like a good recurring joke to keep playing. Yeah. But it also seems like it's going to get very dark as it goes. So I'm curious to yes. see what this series becomes. Next up, Vengeance of the Moon Knight, number one, from Marvel, written by Jed McKay, art by Alessandro Capuccio. A whole month ago, Moon Knight died. Is he back? Probably.
2: Uh truth. There you go. <laughs> uh this book I this book has been uh, constantly well the, not this is number one, but the the Moon Knight series leading up to this. Where he it's died. It's a strange where he died. It's sort of strange. I haven't quite gotten a handle on it. I like this issue. I like the point of view we get um, and the fact that Moon Knight has gone from being this sort of this, the way Jed McKay's writing it is it's a real ensemble group. There's all these, a couple different Knights of Konshu and other characters that are part of it. Mm-hmm. And now Moon Knight mm-hmm. feels like the threat. I actually like that idea, a book where the hero is the problem and these people have to solve it. It's just the path to that idea has, has been strange. I, I wish we'd gotten a little nod to that earlier I feel like the next issue, if that's where we're going, is going to be really great.
1: Uh, Yeah, I agree with uh, what JT Sizzle is saying. I loved by the time this ended, I was like, "Ooh, I'm excited about what's about to go down. Uh, Yeah, I like the big twist at the end. Ben Grimm being like the greatest friend slash human ever. Like I loved how like in the middle of all this madness, you just had Ben Grimm just like being unbelievable, just being the just fucking like, rock. Death and the family. I'm going to gonna show up. The, yeah, like Oh my it. God. Yeah. To, making all the calls, making sure people knew about, you know, and then of course it's, you know, all ruined by the end. But, I think that, uh, yeah, I have very interesting, kind of cool last panel where I'm like, oh, oh, shit, what's this gonna be, uh, going to be? I think forward? I'm a little more positive than both of you
0: guys, just because I have been very confused about the plot in the last couple of issues. So this, perhaps by comparison, felt crystal clear to me in terms of what was going on. It felt like if you haven't been reading the past couple of issues, you could pick this right up and jump right in. It resets the situation, reminds you slash lets you know what the characters are and what their status quo is. We're mostly focusing on this 19-year-old vampire named Reese who runs the midnight mission for Moon Knight. But like you guys said, great last page, great cliffhanger, Uh, good art. I'm more intrigued to read this now than I was with the previous arc. So good job, Marvel. You got me. Batman 141 from DC Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Jorge Jimenez and Dustin Wynn. JJ. They're finishing up the mind bomb storyline where Batman, a bunch of different things going on, but Batman has found that Batman of Zur and R, his secondary personality, has been taken into fail-safe, the not evil technically, but evil robot who hunted him down and stopped him. This issue, he's trying to escape. Goes in some bunch of different directions as folks try to help him out at the same time.
2: Uh, what would you guys think? Well, let me ask you real quick. What are your secondary personalities like? What is the Alex of Zirinar like? Ooh. The Pete of Zirinar? What's the more distilled down version that you're hiding? Well, if you guys listen to Comic Book
0: Club News, the daily podcast that I do,
2: and no, I do, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's where your that's your That's where, where you let loose. your soul. Yeah, wow. it's crazy that this you are a podcast. Down
1: version of yourself here. This is yep. like... that's
2: your id, is you just like delivering the news? <laughs> that's really funny, actually. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, the okay, distilled yeah. Alex is just saying news. Yep, and mm-hmm. Pete, the distilled you. I I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> uh, I really thought that because you already are this is the Pete of Zero and ours already taken over. Yeah, yeah so you that's... should
0: actually listen to Pete's podcast, Comic Book Club Weather.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Justin, are you asking us because you have something cool to say? Is that why? You... No,
2: I'm just, I like to make conversation. On these podcasts, I know we spend a lot of time on the ones and twos, talk and shop, but I like to get to know you guys while we're doing it. You know oh, I okay. Because you know, sometimes,
1: sometimes you start this by being like, man, I got a really cool uh When, when it gets back to me, I got something uh, queued up. So I wasn't sure.
2: Yeah, like when I say stuff like, do you guys need to know any skateboard tricks? And then I <laughs> uh, then I yeah. then I get on the camera and do my sick skateboard trick.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I wish people could see that because I, me
2: too. You I wish you yeah. know we always are doing these audio mediums. I'm yeah. more of a visual
1: guy. Can yeah, we switch yeah. over? And, it and what's to funny just is visual. I can hear the fact that you have a hat backwards on. You know, like I don't need to see it. I can hear it. Yeah, you know shouts I mean?
2: to that. All and right. that's a, the, Pete has such sharp hearing. That's the Zurnar talking. Very yeah. sharp ears. To get to hear a backwards hat? Well, I think we've done a good job of reviewing this comic book. Uh,
1: I, I really, I really thought this had an amazing ending. I love where it puts Batman and what is kind of teased to come. Um, the art, though, by JJ is just ah, uh, it's just so great to look at, and JJ. the design of the um, Jorge Jimenez, JJ. Yeah, I got you. Okay, I know. I just think that like the, the kind of design of the robot kind of evil Batman is really great. Um, you know, the premise is a little like whatever, of course, in another universe, Batman designed a fucking uh, robot Batman and take over, but he's going to over Batman, Batman. But I think Mm -hmm. that where this kind of puts him is very interesting. So that kind of all that aside, I'm very excited to kind of see where this goes.
2: Uh, I like this as well. I think if I can uh, sell this to anyone who hasn't been reading it, this is like uh, Batman's Ultron has been Mm -hmm. created here with like robot Mm, version with, you know, more uh, Machiavellian personality inserted in. And Batman is going to have trouble fighting it. And I I think this is great. I like that Chip Zdarsky is just going so hard. Going hard. Uh, Yeah. But... uh, perennially i i feel like i say this uh, every now and again i want to see a batman where bruce wayne is just like having a fun time i want to see a fun mm-hmm. that's the variation i like that chip is going so hard in this direction and that not necessarily that chip has to do this given but he'd be good at it given his comedy background in a lot of books a bruce wayne that actually can be the batman the animated series bruce who is a mm-hmm. little bit lighter i think we're ready for that direction because Every Bat book has gone so far in this harder, darker direction. It,
0: it's funny movie. that you bring it up with this book in particular, which has a sequence where Batman of Zornar is like, you know, you could just be Bruce and have a nice time. And Batman yes, is like, that's what I made me think. Never. Of that. I never do I, that. I've Never had a nice time. How dare you? And that's what Don't I always You like, say like, <laughs>
1: my name and then nice. I was like, try a vacation, guy. Like, yeah. take a break. Beat this robot <laughs> it's okay. and take a this break. This
0: actually sounds pretty good. Like, he knows. Of course, the Xur is going to go too far with this stuff, but at the same time, reading that sequence, I was
2: like, I don't know, man, take it. You already lost a head. Take it up on it. This is an indictment of AI, though, really, mm-hmm. I think, oh, is yeah. what maybe maybe that's the metaphor Chip's dealing with here. Like, Great I'll backup
0: stories by Dustin Wynn as well on art. Always Agreed. really good. Yes. As Zera fights Zers from throughout the multiverse, really cool issue.
2: Say goodbye
1: to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off. Buy rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
0: Packless number zero from Image Comics by Dustin Weaver. This is a collection of much older stories by Dustin Weaver before he was starting out in the comic book industry when he was trying to break in. So it's a bunch of weird, wild things about uh, uh, naked, uh, half-naked rats. Pete, yeah. I was wondering, did you like My that? My favorite did
1: you like, type. Like coming in, in hot, bro. Coming in hot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't read this in a public place. Uh, you
2: know, I, well, It's not that big of a deal. It's just some light, <laughs> topless rats. Yeah, Which, and some, and, anatomically titty rats. speaking, they're called titty rats. Yeah. They're called titty rats. Alex, uh, that's your no. you, That's your book, right? Or movie. Which, what are you pitching? Your, it's a multimedia it's project. It's a
0: book, but it's a flip book. So it's kind of like a movie.
2: Oh, nice. Oh, I have a lot of Titty Rat NFTs that you sold me. Like. <laughs> I mean, the value has really plummeted on those, by the way. Yeah.
0: Oh, you were on Titty Rat? I was on Titty Rat as well. Were you on the yeah. Discord? Because nobody's <laughs> yeah. there.
2: Yeah, no, not a lot of conversation.
0: Pete, do you want to get in the Titty Rat Discord?
1: <laughs>
2: no, no,
0: no. He I'm doesn't that... even
2: want to get in the Titty Rat discussion. I don't so, think he's ready Yeah, for the, the disc-
1: first story goes a little hard with the furry uh, stuff. But anatomically speaking, <laughs> it's incorrect.
2: is yeah, what you're saying, right, Pete? Yeah, yeah exactly. Just um, from where the breasts would be. Plan. That was legitimately my actual thought. Me too. Me like, too. Rats aren't built like that.
1: Yeah. It wouldn't Anyways. be there. they would
2: be down on the other side.
1: There's a fun That's collection.
2: That's I want, of, him. That's I want him,
1: There's a Justin. fun collection of artistic ideas and stories that are really well executed. Once you get past the the furry the stuff, Wyatt. move those move those breasts downtown is what I say, and I don't mean that just for
2: this book. I mean in general. <laughs> there's, mean your the quote, <laughs> there's your pull quote, Dustin Weaver. It is your pull quote, Dustin. D.W. wanted red did you want to do DW Darkling Oh, I'm just
0: The reader. other oh, stories. somebody reviewed my book on their podcast. Let me listen in. The other okay. stories. <laughs> Good podcast. Thank okay. you. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: The <laughs> other stories are enjoyable um if you can get past the first one. Apparently these guys can't. Uh but yeah, that's uh there's some real kind of it reminds me of like Comics in the 80s and stuff like that it has that all kind of feel to it, and it's cool.
2: Well, and that's what I liked about this a lot, like seeing someone's work when they're trying to break in. I feel like we don't get that. Mm-hmm, and yeah. these are – the stories aren't – they're not full versions of them, which the back like matter – are
1: scripts, you know? Early scripts. Yeah.
2: And these are early sort of fragments because it's not the full you know, you don't really know everything that's happening. And in the back matter, Dustin talks about how this was four pages of a 14 page story, but especially the the Wildcats book that he does. And then he changed the names for this. I was like, oh, that's it's just really if you're trying to break into comics mm-hmm. or are interested in doing it on your own This would you would learn something from this, I think. So it's it's worth that. Totally agree.
0: I know I was making a lot of jokes at the beginning here, but I legitimately even thought the Detective Rat story was kind of fun and interesting. That was actually
2: my favorite story of of all of
0: them. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. And like you said, just as an artifact and a teaching tool, it's kind of interesting. So worth checking out. Beware the Planet of the Apes, number one from Marvel, written by Mark Guggenheim, art by Alvaro Lopez. This is not tying into the modern Planet of the Apes movies. It's tying into the original one to the point that we have it's the prequels. It's the prequel to that. But we have panels from the Marvel Comics Planet of the Apes adaptation, I believe, from back of the day that are peppered throughout this book. Um, I'm not the biggest Platter of the Apes guy, but I thought this was very cool, the way it was laid out, at the very least. I was really fascinated by making this experiment to make a prequel by using vintage comic book panels and mixing them in with modern comic book art.
2: I agree. I love the use of the original comic panels, and it really sort of put a pin in what the project here is which is hard. Like you're saying, like it's not the modern planet of the apes. It's very specifically before the only planet of the apes that, that existed back then that they were doing cut. Kind of, like it's a hard geography to understand And those panels. I thought really helped. I like the characters. I like the part of the world. This is exploring. I like that. We get a map. Don't you love a map mm-hmm. of this world? Uh, it takes you back. It reminded me of you. When I was in high school, I read the planet of the apes book and that, it's not nearly as campy as the movie. it's just a very like over the plate like literate sci fi book and this feels like it's in the vein of that
1: yeah yeah, I just feel like this uh Planet of the Apes is not my bag, um but I really love the my choices um I don't know, it kind of all started when someone on my birthday wanted me to go see a fucking <laughs> shitty movie no i I just never <laughs> uh, have been i just it just seems so weird um anyways no i you don't like that it's, it's weird
0: it's a weird concept it's a very strange yeah, concept to be like you can't the apes talk and the humans don't talk how did that I happen
2: well weird i might that's not nearly as weird as any literally yeah, any other any comic other, in the stack yeah. this is much more normal it's much more <laughs> clear that it's just the apes and the humans switch places that's very over the plate and you're like too weird Can't imagine not talking.
1: Some ideas are like, yeah, you're on board. And others, uh, you know, miss me with that shit. I don't know what to tell you, man. But artistically, what they're doing in this, it's amazing looking. It's got such a cool kind of feel to it. And uh, you can really kind of feel the old but new uh, in, in such a cool way. One last thing I want to say before
0: we move on is I like how these 20th century Books, not 20th Century Fox, that's not the name of the company anymore, are starting to enter some sort of experimental phase, I feel like. Like Mm. we got very straight across the board, really good alien books, really good Predator books, good Planet of the Apes books as well. But this, like we're talking about... Even though it has a straightforward Planet of the Apes story, the way that they're laying it out and hitting it is very experimental. I don't know if you guys heard the news, but they're going to be releasing a What If Aliens co-written by Paul Reiser about what if his character survived aliens. And that's the sort of thing where, like – I, I did I've never asked that question, but but it's weird. And very if few gonna, have, I yes, think. Very few. But have. It, Paul Riser clearly did, and yep. if Paul Riser.
2: rough Risers. Uh, the rough risers, rough risers uh, shirt, a t shirt I own.
0: Yes, that you could actually buy at uh, Threadless.com slash comic book club. Anyway, my point being that they're really taking chances here with these books is great. That's the sort of thing you can do in comics that you can't necessarily do in TV or movies. So cool. More of that, please. Birds of Prey, number five from DC there Comics. There go. Written by Kelly Thompson, art by Dane. Um, probably a first name that I forgot to write down there, I guess. Um, anyway. No, I think that's it. Oh, is it just Dane? Uh, this is following up on the birds have been attacking kind of Themyscira to try to stop a diminished demonic creature who's trying to get inside of sin and take over her in order to destroy the world. There's some twists and turns in terms of how this demonic creature acts uh and we get some uh, great action sequences throughout here i will admit at first i was a little disappointed that leonardo romero who's been doing gorgeous art for the first 4 issues was not on board here but i think this really came up with some really fascinating looking uh visuals anyway what did you guys think
1: yeah yeah it didn't skip a beat i uh i really love this uh amazing art fun team up action here uh, I love this group of individuals that uh, we're focusing on in this Birds of uh, Prey. And uh, tons of action, fun ending. I also really love the quote, you know. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. I mean, that's great stuff. That's just fun stuff here. What do you think this, about
0: that, Justin? The quote solid specifically? Solid-ish. Well, just <laughs> that clearly Black Canary has seen Watchmen. Watchmen, I
2: yeah. Or read the or comic? Wrote, no, what, she, she, watched, you think?
0: she watched the ultimate cut. You think she's a Snyderhead? Yeah, one hundred percent. She hasn't nice. she hasn't even watched A Child of Fire part one of Rebel Moon. Everybody knows Oh so we, oh, we all know. Moon we all not we not know the being subtitle
2: being of Rebel Moon. I think about. About. Yeah. uh definitely. What a great reveal on this podcast that Black Canary loves the Snyderverse. Uh I agree with you, it was about, and oh I was incorrect. It is Arist Dane is the name of the Arist? artist on okay. this. Yeah. But uh, let me say also, I did miss the art uh, from the – because that's such a selling point and such a high watermark for this book. But um, I, I, I did like – even though it's different, I did like it like you were saying. Um, and this book continues to be – I like this combination of characters. I want to see more of them. Big fight issue here. But I want to see more of them just hanging out perhaps next, next Plus, week. Plus Kelly Thompson. I mean, come on. Kelly Thompson. Shouts, of course.
0: Next up, the Ministry of Compliance, number two from IDW, written by John Ridley, art by Stefano Raphael. If you, you haven't, have
2: <laughs> No, Pete first, Pete first.
0: No. Yeah, no, no, no. I hear what I do is I say, um, if you haven't checked it out, John Ridley was actually on our show this past week, our live show and the, the podcast. You can go listen to it. And then Pete, you say. Uh, we should have him on the show. No, you say we should have talked to him
1: about this book. That's your. No, that's why
2: Pete had to go first. That's why oh. I, I was directing traffic on that one.
1: Oh, Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, man, uh, we worked really hard on that script and we messed
0: it up. <laughs> I, uh, did. I send texts over New Year's, all of New Year's Eve, for no reason, Pete. Did I saw <laughs> yeah. that script.
2: Uh, well, uh, when <laughs> I got the text at eleven fifty nine and then twelve o one, Alex, I was saying, take a break
0: let it rest you gotta I celebrate. did take a break for midnight when i <laughs> kissed <laughs> anderson cooper right on my tv and then went right back to it
2: nice the only person well, you who met, loves me well you met you kissed your tv or you were there with anderson no i
0: kissed my tv i don't know anderson cooper nice. i kissed my tv I because i wanted to kiss somebody like, that
2: loves me you make it sound that's like that's more normal but yeah. i guess let the audience decide
0: Yeah, you decide, true believers. Anyway, listen to John Ridley on our podcast. He was amazing. Great chat with him. But regardless of that, I still like this book a whole ton. There's a wild (laughs) sci-fi premise where aliens have taken over the Earth. There is dissension in their ranks. They may need to leave the Earth, but they've been insidiously getting into every single part of society. One member of this alien race who is trying to figure out a massive conspiracy that's trying to take them down and exactly what's going on. There's disgusting swordplay that happens throughout, cool-ass action sequences. This book is great.
2: Agree completely. I love the world. I love the sort of – the philosophical point of view is not what you expect Uh, It's to use the words that Alex nailed in the interview that John echoed. It's very off kilter in a way. Uh, This book goes hard. It's sort of a punchy in the neck type book, both with its action and sort of uh, point of view. One of my favorite reads uh, right now. So definitely check it out.
1: Yeah, I, I love uh, this book. I love all the action. Uh, I love the art. And, uh, you know, even though it's kind of like dark and kind of messed up, but, uh, you know, it still has, you know, time to have some fun. You know, it's that old joke. Um, you know, you see a man with no arms. If you, uh, you know, jerk him off, he'll tell you anything. <laughs> oh, I love that old joke.
2: I've never heard that. Wait, (laughs) how's that set-up punchline work? That feels just like a a philosophy.
1: I didn't write the comic. You know, that was
2: The comic? (laughs) You wrote that. That's sort of your... What what Confucius proverb is that from? (laughs) I don't remember that
1: one. Uh, I think it's just along those lines of different, uh, you know, jokes that you... And let me
2: ask you, how many times have you encountered that situation? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> too many in real life it yeah. sounds like well you do a show out.
0: at the pit uh pete would always go over to the bar and well fill in the blanks. the this like i said this book is great the one thing that i wanted to mention additionally that we didn't talk about the show we did get into it a little bit with john where he was talking about how I don't know. He was using the phrase a little bit about like social justice ideas and things that have a greater sense with society. We were talking about how this flips it a little bit, but there's a really interesting sequence in here where the main character, who is, I would say, black presenting. And the reason for that is she is an alien, talks a little bit about why, what it is like for her to have this face being an alien who actually rules the world. This sort of complicated sci fi idea you don't see a lot in comic books. And the way that he explores it, like Pete was saying, It's fun at the same time. It's interesting. It's thought-provoking. But you have a good time reading this comic book, and it's bloody and violent while it goes. So great stuff. Let's move on and talk about Marvel Meow, number one from Marvel by Now Fuji. This is another one of those collections of Marvel Unlimited titles like Jeff the Land Shark. Before it, it's Jeff. And also the Alligator Loki book. Here we are getting a bunch of Marvel cats. We're teaming up with your heroes. Pete, you're a resident cat guy. What'd you think about this one?
1: Oh, this is glorious in all the right ways. I mean, this is really funny, it's cute, adorable, it's you know, very cat friendly, which is great. Um, you know, it uh yeah, it's it, it it hits all the all the marks. And what's great is you're getting like sixty-four pages of nonstop cat action. <laughs> So I know, just the, kept
2: going in a way I did not expect. It's felt like you
1: own a cat, man. When you have Non-stop. a cat, you're like, I want this to end. And they're like, no, nah, bro, <laughs> you're in this for the long haul, man. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, this felt like I was puffing the Marvel fluff all day and all night in a lot of ways. Uh, some of these are fun. The X-Men one is the one I enjoyed the most. And uh, I also liked how it was, they just really named the cats. They really named yeah. the cats in this.
0: This got better as it went along, I think. I like the art throughout. It's very the cute. Art's amazing. It's amazing. Art's endurance. very cute. Cute cats. Didn't understand just what like was Jeff, going on in some of the strips.
2: Sh- I also did not understand maybe a mean? lot of them. What was the happening? The ones that worked the best for me
0: is when they were verses. Like it was one of the hero cats yes. versus a villain yes. those were very clear and very fun the one of whichever cat it was versus sandman where he ends up using him as a litter box fun
1: makes sense you, yeah. you saw that coming but
0: and yeah, i like the loki great... cat thing loki cat the actually loki being is Loki cat it was great yeah cute if you like cats and you like superheroes you already own this book Poison Ivy, number 18 <laughs> from DC Comics, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Luana Vecchio. Poison Ivy is trying to stop a plague of her own creation from destroying Gotham City. She's working with Killer Croc. She's working with Solomon Grundy in this age. It true, she sucks it up and tries to work with Batman. Continues to be one of the best books on the stands. And yes. I love Luana Vecchio stepping in for art, a perfect fit for the book as well.
2: Uh, agree. I love Poison Ivy's take on Batman. We're like, oh, he's such a dick. It's like, yeah. you, you don't. You rarely see a full commitment to Batman sucks in <laughs> any DC comic, and to have it be here and never pulls back and says like, well, you know, I think he's going to help me. She's just like, man, this guy sucks. He's so <laughs> annoying. He's probably not even going to help me. He's so condescending. I love that. I love the commitment to Solomon Grundy's poem in this comic. Shouts to that. Uh, and great reveal at the end.
1: Yeah, this is just amazing, and it keeps getting crazier and crazier with every issue. The twists and turns on this, from where it started to where it is, is really uh, glorious. I, I, it's been such a great roller coaster ride in all the right ways. Um, I love how all, all over the place is, and when I pick it up, I don't know what's going to happen. But I know I'm going to have a great time, because the art is super tight nanners. And, uh Batman being a dick is such a fun uh thing to do and uh it's done well um, are we
2: doing Nanners all year or is that just for right now or is there is there another know. version
1: right now we're in the in the nanners vibe we'll see what happens man
2: <laughs> nanners nice cool and that yeah. feels like a very like uh i'm I'm high I'm uh like a fish fan vibes is that is that nanners is that where nanners is at
1: I don't know, man. No. <laughs> just getting farther I've and farther seen away fish. from the microphone. I don't know. You've uh, never seen – ne- you've seen some fish. Yeah, maybe I've seen some fish.
0: <laughs> what is going on here? Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number 11 from Boom Studios. It's pronounced behish. Written uh, by Jason Aaron, art by Nick Jagoda and Alexandra Tufengi. We have flipped the story here as Maceo and Mezzi have officially broken up. And now Nick Jagoda, who has been drawing the future sequences of this series, is the main artist because we are mostly seeing what's happening in the future. And Alexandra Tefengi is moving to the background for flashbacks to back in the day when they had just broken up. As we've been talking about nonstop with this book, one of our top books of last year, this is really delving more into the arc of a relationship. Really curious to see where it lands here. Oh, it man. feels to me a little bit like what happens when you see your old lover again after years and how does that affect you? I, I feel like we're ending the, entering the final arc here, and I'm curious what the final statement of this book is going to be.
1: Wait, wait, wait. So uh, let me just get this straight. What you're saying is when you saw the ex in this comic controlling flame rats that were murdering people, you were like, oh, yeah, this reminds me when I see my ex. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah. Wow. My ex controls flame rats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my ex is a lot of them.
1: Wow. That, that's, uh, you guys got a lot going on. All my yeah. exes,
2: flame rat to Texas.
1: Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, I just – I this is – punching above its weight class in such a glorious way and i mean by that is this this post apoc love story that is Real, you know, like it's it's insane and all over the place, but it's also the there's a realness to this love story and the kind of ups and downs of it. That's uh, that you can really feel, which is really interesting and all this kind of madness. So, uh, yeah, kudos to the writing and the art. It's just uh, it's it's an insane story that's told really well. And uh, I'm I'm all for it.
2: I agree. I love this book. I think the central metaphor is so smartly done and unspooled in a way that like keeps catching me off guard. The Nick Dragota art transition here is great. I like the details we're getting and the turnabout from both of our characters is setting up for just a great confrontation.
0: Thanos, number two for Marvel, written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Luca Pizzari. Thanos has attacked oh. Fresno, as he always was wont to do. Oh, he Specifically, he's looking for a woman, a mysterious woman, who we don't know much about unless you look at her and then you can figure it out. And meanwhile, the Illuminati, the strongest team of heroes in the Marvel Universe, are trying to stop Thanos from his goal. We find out exactly what's going on here, mostly in this issue. What'd you guys think about this one?
2: Uh, wow, uh, thought thought Ooh. you were going to talk there, Pete. Uh, real silence. And I is was golden. hoping
1: um, you were going to talk.
2: Well, and that that may be because this this is a strange. I want to ride with Thanos in this comic and we are not, this is like a a fight issue with the Illuminati, but the Illuminati are, we don't really get to see what's up. Thanos feels like not super powerful in this in a way that I wish was different. I hope in the next issue we can maybe flip and get his understanding uh, of it because there's sort of a reveal coming in the next issue, but If the reveal is just he's obsessed with death and he thinks this woman is death or maybe she is death. okay. well, we I think we're ahead of that a little bit. And I just want to know the emotionality behind it going into it.
1: Yeah, I agree with what this is saying there. Um, In this issue, we have Thanos out here just stealing women and you can't really do that. So it's a little weird. Um, So, yeah, I, I I think
2: one of the infinity gems is does that.
1: Oh well, well that's not a good gem. That's a bad gem. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a, a bad, bad gem. gem. Then we should get rid of that gem. Uh I just think that like uh, yeah, I know there's something else happening right here but right now it feels a little creepy and uh and weird. So yeah, I want to move past that. The series is very goofy, which I was not expecting. There's a lot of jokes about yeah. Thados on his
0: chair and he's riding in a tidy car at one point, which is hilarious, I guess.
2: It's and when he's in the car it's weird like the metal is shaped around him. He looks mm-hmm. like a toy. Yeah. He looks like Thanos like a like a infant's toy of Thanos in a like a So I guess a, I don't know what I was expecting
0: from the series, but this is not it. I don't mind it. It's just a very different tone than I would think would come from a series and the story that they're telling here. But there you go. Shazam number seven from DC comics written by Mark Wade, art by Goran Suzuka in this issue. Shazam is first fighting a bizarro Shazam and then bonding with his Shazamly. would you say, Justin? No, I before, would call him that shazam before That's he ends up word. battling black Adam over a misunderstanding involving space dinosaurs, among other things. What did you guys think about this one?
1: Well, you know, uh, love, 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 love the art. Um, You know, I felt like this was another fun-ish, great action story. I thought the Black Adam fight was epic. Uh, I love how the art has kind of this old school feel for it. Uh, And then fun with dinosaurs. Uh, This was just uh, seemed like uh, Mark Lee was having a good time. A lot of dinosaurs
2: here. It feels right. like uh, Mark Wade currently really is happy about that, the idea that these dinosaurs are into paperwork. Uh, that is fun. It feels like the last arc before this w- had so much juice to it, and this feels like it's turned down just a little bit, so I'm hoping it gets to turn back up going forward.
1: Yeah, it's not the worst is when the juice gets turned down. The Matt, juice is running. Yeah, like, I no, love no, turn when the that juice, juice up. Is, well, when you do that, that you know what you got to do juice. is...
0: Drive Like Hell, number three, from Dark Horse Comics, written by Rich Dueck, art by Alex Cormack. Is that better? Are we back on track now, Pete, with the segues? I mean, we're so I back. wish you wouldn't have called it oh, out, but yeah, yeah I guess so we're so,
2: so back. We're so back.
0: This is about a demonic car, and we find out why a bunch of demons are chasing It turns out Gabriel's horn is in the back, or rather, both of them, I
2: guess. I don't know. He's got his his business horn and his <laughs> yeah. pleasure yeah. horn. His, business uh, horn in the front, show horn, no, no, the business the horn's in the back, uses. and the party horns at the front is what he's got. If so. you meet a no armed man and grabbed his business horn, then you're a bit That's what it is, right, Pete? That's
1: right. <laughs> you play a man's horn, he'll tell you what you need.
2: <laughs> man, that that is the most uncle energy I've ever heard on this podcast, is what you uncle. just said. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Drive Like Hell? What you guys think about that book? Yeah, this is uh, crazy fun. Uh, you know, angels, demon cars, <laughs> couple of crazy humans. Sounds like a good time. I don't know. Uncle okay. Energy. Uncle <laughs> Energy.
2: Uh, I like that we get some big reveals here. This feels like this issue is sort of being like, okay, here's what we're all dealing with. And next issue is going to be the huge, massive car chase explosion. Everything's uh, coming to a big head. To a car chase. I like how casually they beat the angel Gabriel here and then are like, now everyone hates us. Let's go. Yeah, it's not exactly
0: the same thing, but this issue in particular gave me a little bit of preacher energy off of it. Yes, in terms great of- call, great call. Mm-hmm. Exactly what they did to that angel. I'm having a lot of fun reading this book. They take a break off the road here. But like you said, I think it's going to be car chase action next issue. Definitely check it out. And also check out our interview with Rich Dweck from a couple of live shows back. We talked to him about this book. (laughs) Fantastic Four, (laughs) number 15 from Marvel. Uh, Uh, written by Ryan North, art by Ivan Fiorello. The Fantastic Four sent away all their kids at the Baxter building a year earlier to try to keep them safe after circumstances too complicated to explain. In this issue, they didn't come back when they were supposed to, and it turns out it's because of an app that's been bubbling around in the background the past couple of issues <laughs> that creates a massive, giant brain. As usual, Ryan North is taking science topics and mixing them with science fiction to make actual science fiction in Fantastic Four. He talked about this a little bit online, but it seems very clear here that he is very inspired by Stanley and Jack Kirby's run on Fantastic Four. And I love that. I think I talked about this in the last issue as well. They're just throwing new details at the Fantastic Four and new ideas yeah. there. It feels so fresh and it's something that we haven't gotten in a while. Versus the umpteenth Dr. Doom story or the 5,000th Nihilist story. Add new things, add new villains. It's great.
2: I I I agree. This is so – yeah. He's cool. He's him. in, he, he's in this. Uh, it's something I want to talk about in a sec, but like this book is so fresh. It puts the fantastic four in such different context all the time. And it feels, it's such a meal. So many comics, some can feel a little slight. This feels like such a, so many ideas, so many great emotions. Reed Richards really goes through it here going from like thinking he's one losing completely, feeling guilty, trying to save the day. Like, feeling an incredible loss. It's such a great roller coaster in this and just great science fiction ideals, at, ideals at play. And then Dr. Doom at the end. I, I just, the Dr. Doom's placement in the fantastic four family. How, how would you define this? Cause it's, he's like enemy that they is trying to kill them, but also like grandfather that they have to say, like, uncle. don't worry. We're all uncle. fine. Yeah. Uncle He's like, don't worry. We're all fine. We love you. Like, what is the deal?
0: Well, part of the way that I think they frame Dr. Doom in the modern era is he's not the cackling villain. He just thinks he can do everything better than Reed and he knows the right thing for the universe. I don't know that it started there, but definitely Jonathan Hickman's take on Doom and his relationship with Valeria really pushed it in that direction, I think.
2: well it's weird he he hates Reed and thinks Reed's an idiot but respects Valeria so much yeah. and is like she gets it. I'm like what that's I guess that is sort of an uncle thing. <laughs> yeah. But that's just it's 100%. Very funny. Uh,
0: so I think that's what's going on there and I think they understand that because you know it makes him a more complicated interesting villain and they had that earlier in this series where he brought through Again, I'm forgetting the exact circumstances because they're so wild, but there was that whole uh, colliding of the dinosaur dimension and the Marvel Universe and Dr. Doom and the Dr. Doom dinosaur were like, well, we know what to do. We're going to bring these kids back using this. And of course, he was wrong and going to cause calamity. So ultimately, Ben Grimm stopped him. So that's his role now is to be like, I know better than Petty Richards. And then he doesn't really. He's going to make the situation worse. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I thought it had a cute ending. You just don't <laughs> like Reed
0: Richards. You don't like your things. What about a Reed Richards Cyclops team-up book? Would you read uh, that, Pete? Those guys. I'd rather
1: shoot myself in the
0: foot. It's a Reed Richards Cyclops team-up book called Padiata Special. What do you think, Pete?
2: Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Well, uh, Pete, let me say, back in the Meow book, did you like when Cyclops shoot, shot the laser beam and the cat was chasing it?
1: I, I was like, oh, that's the best thing you've ever done, Cyclops. <laughs> there
2: you go. You he, he got to win in there. See, you loved him that, in that moment. Yeah.
0: Titans Beast World Tour Atlantis Number One from DC Come Comics, on. written by Cedar Grace, Frank Thierry, and Megan Fitzmartin, art by Ricardo Frederici, Valentin Delandro, and M. L. Sanapo. Beasts have taken over the DC Universe, and now we're finding out about sea beasts,
2: underwater beasts. Pete, you must have Think loved this because Think you love being it. you love being
1: under the sea. Let's talk <laughs> about it, Pete. <laughs> All right, great. So, yeah, I mean. First off, the art style. I mean, oh, this is so cool. I love how it starts. It pulls you in. It's so fantastic. Crazy-ish. Really loved all the twists and turns. Cool other stories as well in this issue. Uh, I just feel like this uh, really, you got a lot of bang for your buck here, and uh, it was kind of a... We're getting more and more and as this kind of beast kind of takeover is going on, uh, the is unfolding in a cool way. Would you
0: say that the art is super tight sea cucumbers? No, mm. I
1: wouldn't. I would say it
0: was super tight nanners. Oh, is there some sort yeah. of underwater banana? Because I would say sea cucumber.
2: That's pretty close when it comes to underwater bananas.
1: <laughs> yep.
2: Well, we'll uh, look into that, Justin. What did you think? Yeah, about well, let's talk thing? to our research about the underwater <laughs> Nanners situ- I just it a situation. Let's call this situation because that's what we're in at this point. The the I I wish I know I said this about the X Men books, but I this Beast World event. I feel I need the main story i because i feel like we're just off in these we've been off in so many side places that i'm now like
1: wait for it bro you gotta wait for yeah, it yeah
2: but i'm like so what does it mean that Mira's um uh sort of seahorse adjacent animal like i'm like what is all this we're getting little fragments but like what's the fight is everyone just losing are we all everyone's just beasts because it feels like we just see people transform everyone's like oh no and then that's Then the story ends. It's
0: just it's a bunch of weird green starfishes that came out of Gar Logan's body flying in and out of people's mouths over and over again.
2: And that I like that, though. I love the first issue of this. And I just feel like it's a strange structure for an event. Mm -hmm. It It has me longing for your classic Infinity Gauntlet. Six issue main story and no, other. You going read sp-
1: this one and then a couple other side ones that'll give you a little bit more of the story. But then it's going to come back and then you'll get more. But, but then you gotta- I,
2: I don't even mind. It's not about the volume of books. I don't mind many. It's more. I want the main story and then all the other satellite comics. I can. I will read. But give me the main story so I know it's happening. I feel like now the way it crossovers work, it's like alpha book. Uh oh, this bad thing's happening. And then 50 books where it's like, here's a little fragment. And then, like, months later, we get back to Omega. Here's how it worked out. I'm like, this isn't a crossover. This is like a random, like, scattershot event. And I want the spine.
0: I did really like the art of this book, to Pete's point. Valentine Deladro, in particular, is one of my favorites. So, very happy to see that. I do think, to your point, you're making, Justin. It's a little non-specific how these spores work. Like the fact that Black Manta was like, "I'm a gigantic manta ray monster." Yes, it Very did make cool, sense. very cool, but does not line up with anything else that is happening in any of
2: these. Everyone, it's a small monster.
0: Yeah, it it feels relatively uncoordinated this event, and I like the pieces. But to your point that you're saying, I don't feel like it's cohering into a whole.
1: As Maybe of, it's yeah. how evil you are, and that's how big you get.
2: I guess. Ooh, that's cool
1: Maybe, I wish yeah, that was like true the, in
2: reality yeah.
1: like Hitler would have been
2: oh, at least very 16 because oh. then you could see him coming you'd be like yeah. that guy's evil you can, that see guy's him. so that's evil that's the problem with Hitler okay. no you, I'm just a painter I'm just a painter no going. you're
0: not you are not just a painter you are 70 feet tall you're too big
2: to be nice you <laughs> <Too> fuck <big. laughs> you're too big to be nice
1: <laughs> you fuck you, that, you piece of shit
2: are you saying that
1: Shaq is an asshole? Is that what you're saying? I guess I don't I, no, I'm know. Saying, said I you,
2: wish we lived on that world. Right.
0: Wish we lived on the world. That feels like it would put us nice people at a disadvantage, though, if
2: all the evil people were gigantic. So we, we could, could run die. around underneath. The, if you were super nice, you could fit between their toes. He's <laughs> so tiny. Oh, oh, you're also
0: tiny. Oh, OK. I if see. you're nice, yeah. you're so t- <laughs> 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 the Midnight Show, number four from Dark Horse Comics, written by Cullen Budd, art by Brian Hurt. This is the final issue of this story that is about a bunch of, not exactly universal movie monsters, but basically that, who came out of a film mashup experiment. They are murdering people in a small town, and one of them becomes wants to become the god of monsters of the title of the film. This has been a bloody delight. I can't believe it's still coming out in January. Feels inappropriate for an October Halloween book, but at the same time, haven't such.
2: Sense. October, November, December, January.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know how months work. But uh, anyway, my point being, yeah. I really love this book. Super fun. Great art for Brian to hurt uh, really good horror
2: premise.
1: It's kind of weird that you have to do the months on your fingers, Justin.
2: Oh, that's how you keep track. Yeah. Oh yeah. What do you just do? You just think all the months. That's Thumbuary. right. W-
1: <laughs>
2: I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Pink timber. <laughs> Oh boy. And that's all the fingers with names, really. <laughs> uh this book is uh I I've also really enjoyed this. I think I called that our our Van Helsing was going to be uh take a turn in this issue. Um so I was pleasantly surprised to see that. And I like the way this ended. I thought this was a really good horror premise that played out it was a surprise. Surprisingly, came through in in a big way. So I really yeah.
1: The the twists and turns have been fun for the story. uh You think you kind of get an understanding, and then there's some more twists, which are great. The art school really kind of sets up this uh, cool old school kind of feel to it. uh The kind of old school monster movies. The art does a great job of capturing that. So yeah, I think this is fun. Love Everlasting, number 11 from
0: Image Comics, written by Tom King, art by Elsa Charitier. We are, well, spoilers, ho, because there's not a good way of describing exactly what goes on in this issue without spoiling what ultimately happens at the end. But we've been following a young woman named Joan who. We don't exactly know what's going on, but she seems to be trapped in some sort of romance comic book simulation where every time she falls in love, she gets killed by this cowboy. She ultimately broke through at the end of the last issue by dying, naturally dying after a long relationship. And now she's back. She's back in a cowboy situation. The spoiler here, the flip (laughs) here, is it seems like we're turning the series... From focusing on Joan to focusing on the origin of our cowboy who has been hunting her this entire time at least that's my supposition here um very surprising I really thought we had another two issues left of the series but I think it's gonna go on for a long time
2: hence well that's yeah. my, that's what I was like it felt like it was ending next issue but like it doesn't like the way the story is it feels like it's just gonna keep going and that's really exciting because who knows where this could go this is this has been such a fun read each week. The it's like a great homage to romance comics, really well-told versions of that while at the same time having this underlying ongoing fantastical premise that I think is really intriguing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh I oh, no. I, I I'm a little uh, worried about the ending because we've had like all these deaths and all this kind of stuff and I'm just kind of like I want this to land well, so I can talk about it. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's it continues to be very interesting and have really solid art. Yeah. I mean, Elsa Trenier's art is fantastic throughout. Just yeah. really,
0: I think we've probably mentioned this before, but like in the vein of a Darwin cook, obviously channeling yeah, a, Yeah. A romance comic books as well. So really good book. I don't know how much more of this I could, Take maybe to pete 's really? point, well, just I need to start getting some answers i well, I can I feel like this is everlasting, you know,
2: I feel like this issue was a lot about the answers. I think that we 're getting the answers, and if you really believe in love, Alex, it is everlasting mm. i don't know Have you ever thought about that? not really, no, no, i haven 't thought <laughs> about that love it's ends, like if you were um, if you if you didn 't have either of your arms. And someone came up to you, like, oh, you, would, you would fall in love with them, mm-hmm. I think. And it would be everlasting. Could or at you, least you tell, for, by the like... way,
0: that I zoned out for a good half of the show, tried to figure out a joke to tell about that? Like a joke Uh, structure. I was like, what is the punchline of this joke? And I I think what I worked out just real quick, like, I don't think this is good, but like, this is the best I can do on a short notice is guy sitting down at a bar. He's sitting down and he looks over and he sees he's sitting next to a guy with no arms. And he's like, Oh, that's interesting. And he goes back to his drink. After a few moments, somebody comes into the bar, walks over to the bed, jerks off the bed with no arms until he ejaculates. And then the, Man goes into his pocket with his mouth and he spits out five dollars. The guy picks five dollars, leaves the bar. The guy sitting against the bar is like. That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Whatever, no big deal. Next day, he comes back to the bar, and once again, the guy with no arms is sitting there. A third man <laughs> walks in, jerks the guy off until he ejaculates, and then the man with no arms goes You into can his just say, pot, jerks him off. We don't out.
1: need the finish. No, it's
0: important. <laughs> <You> <laughs> it do, is he, important. He does that. And Pete, it's,
2: imp- it's important. It's important. It's important.
0: It's important. The guy needs to finish. That's the whole thing. We'll get to it in a second. Spits out $5. And then he leaves the bar. Third day, guy sitting at the bar, Drake, like he's sort of avidly looking at the guy who's sitting next to him. He's like, oh, man, what's going to happen? I really want to see this. This is kind of a really amazing feat that they're doing over here. I really love it. No pun intended. And he just waits and waits. And the guy with no arms is just sitting there. And he's waiting waiting. And finally, the hour is getting late. And the man with no arms gets up off of the steel and starts to walk out. And... The guy who's been sitting at the bar is like, hey, uh, w- I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm sorry to talk to you like this. But every day I've been sitting here and a man comes in, jerks you off until you ejaculate. And then you go into your pocket. You pull out $5 and spit it out. Where is he? And the man with no arm says, oh, he quitted, quit his hand job.
2: <laughs> anyway, wow. that's the best I could that do. It's crazy <laughs> that you were thinking about that the whole time. The entire time. Like 10 books in a row. I know you've been uh, sitting in silence. We've been sitting <laughs> in silence for 30 minutes. Yeah. Pete, and remember, you started this. I didn't. But thank <laughs> you did. Yeah. You Time did. Time Traveler
1: Ch- Tales, number no, two. Time Traveler Tales, <laughs> number
0: two. From Dark Horse Comics, written by David Scheidt, art by Kelly and Nicole Matthews. We are following an all-ages series. I mean, this is an all-ages series. He quit Weird. his
1: hand job. <laughs>
2: Oh, I, I like when you
0: shout it. You, liked it. you like it. You're going to tell this. You're going to tell no. this joke, Pete. You absolutely are. You're going to wake up your nephews in I will another say, house. I will
2: say real quick, one last thing on it. Pete, you literally <laughs> walked in here and was like, yeah, it's a guy with no arms who's getting jerked off all the time. <laughs> and, uh, and Alex is trying to fix it for you. <laughs> So, like, I think you should give him a little bit of love for that. You should give him a virtual handjob. He didn't need to
1: it, say till completion. It would have been fine. If he I believe he said, said
2: ejaculation. But, ejaculation, but yes, yes, it's an important part of the writing.
1: <laughs> it's not an important part of the writing. No, I was trying to help him with that. Yeah. We're it's all, worth it for the writing alone. That's the
2: lesson. That's the philosophy of this whole joke is we're all trying to help each other.
1: It's, especially if you don't have any arms. In the man
2: in the kingdom of no armed men, the man with a hand job is king.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, uh time traveler tales, Time Traveler falls into the little rascals.
2: <laughs> the, I wonder yeah, how many listeners we've lost today. I love that we're talking all about a, the most all ages book of all <laughs> leading and coming out of this conversation. This book doesn't make sense and I don't understand it and I don't understand it.
1: What are you talking about? It makes a ton of sense. It's about adorable young love and it's no. very cute.
2: That that part is fine, but this kid shows up and is like, where's this pocket watch that teleports me through time? And everyone's like, we don't know. Oh yes, there's a man who has a, all of the watches. And then the, they all go there, and then he's like, all right, here I go off into time. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Uh, this is I, like I agree with you. I like the
0: whole little rascals pulling a heist type situation in order to get two girls together who are in love with each other. And the dad's like, oh honey, I love that. Hooray! Very inclusive, very sweet. But the time traveler part makes no
2: sense whatsoever. In the first issue, I was also like, "What? This doesn't make any (laughs) sense." And they, when the guy was on a farm or whatever, and they're like, "What's a watch?" And they find one, and then he leaves. I was like, "This is like
1: very light." But think about that. Like, if you someone saw someone pick up a watch, you're going to work your whole life so you can buy that watch, you know, so you can disappear places. You know what I mean? There you go. This is Pete's favorite book of the week.
0: Captain America number five <laughs> from Marvel, written by J. Michael Straczynski, great, art by Lad Medina. <laughs> Captain America over two time periods is fighting against different villains in the present. There is a demon who essentially wants to eradicate him from history so that he can stop doing good things. And back in the day, young Steve Rogers, pre-Super Soldier Serum, is fighting against none other than Baron Zemo who's in New York at the very real Nazi rally that happened at Madison Square Garden in 1939, real black mark on New York and American history. Um, But he gets involved in that and has to stop him. So lots of stuff going on here. What do you guys think? I I have some thoughts, but I'm curious to hear what you guys thought. Interesting. Yeah, you go. I'm curious. Okay. I really like the series at the start. Mm-hmm. I still really like La Medina's art. It's just so nice and clean throughout. Uh, it, it feels is. very iconic and old school. There are way too many jokes in the present; like it is
2: non-stop. Well, Bits. that's what I was. I was going to highlight this Doctor Strange doll thing. I was like, "This is," and I, honestly, I think it's pretty funny. Like, uh, sure. But it's just it, such a tonal mismatch to everything else that's happening. Yes.
0: Yeah, that, that is my big problem. It's like the jokes are good, but this is a pretty serious situation that we've been treating pretty seriously. And now they're just making jokes about Dr. Strange doll head being like, oh, no, you have half a granola bar in your pouch. Fun jokes. What are they doing here? And then back in the day, I really like the idea of young Steve when we started out always being who he is and yelling out at the Nazi rally in Central Park. Smart. The idea that young Steve Rogers was an elite agent working for the mob trying to stop Baron Zemo from blowing up Madison Square Garden or whatever's going on there, too much. This, this, is, mm. this is J. Michael Straczynski getting into Ezekiel territory for me, where he's like, Spider-Man uh. was always Spider-Man. He was meant to be Spider-Man.
2: You hate like, there's
0: I really – I don't like that because I think it messes – you can tweak things and you can change things about an origin and you can retcon things. and that's fine. But Steve Rogers was a good guy who ultimately kept flopping out of the army and then got this chance to be the man he knew he was inside. If he already was essentially a super soldier wheezing with asthma but crawling through the sewers and fighting Baron Zemo and all of these other things – He was already there. Like That changes him too radically for me. So this is the issue where it started to diverge into neither of these plot lines are working for me. But again, I'm curious to see if you guys felt the same or differently.
2: I liked it more than that. I don't mind younger Steve fighting the Nazis because I think it actually does track with the rest of his stuff in a way. I like how much he's, he's just trying really hard, which is, I think, Captain America's real superpower, just like never giving up. And so I think we're establishing that as opposed to like making him too super heroic. Sure. It's a little forest gumpy with the way that it's coming through. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a little annoying, I guess, but like I don't mind it as much. And as much as the jokes are strange in this story, I like them and the, to me, though, the present day story is just extreme on extreme. It's extreme jokes. They go so far to the way to be like, this demon's going to fucking kill you, Steve. <laughs> He's going to kill you. And I'm like, no, what? what are you, why are you going so hard? Powering up, juicing up this demon. Uh, and it just feels like it's going unnecessarily hard. And I guess we'll see where that where that lands us. But I like and I especially like the way the timelines come together at the end of this issue.
1: Uh well that part I agree with. I feel like the badass ending to this kind of gets me excited for what's next and not kind of the weirdness that kind of happens a little bit in this issue. Um I just think that the uh art's unbelievable and um uh, you know we're dealing with a lot of interesting things. Sometimes it hits harder than than others, but I just don't know who gives up halfway through a granola bar. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Half? You only going to eat half a a granola bar? Like what the? (laughs) Not my Captain America. It's like, oh man, all this granola is really filling me up. I better (laughs) save this for later. Like what?
2: Here's the thing. I get halfway through that and I hit a raisin. Like when you, you know, when you hit a raisin like really hard and it's like full raisin energy. Mm -hmm.
1: Fuck that granola bar. Wait, you're surprised by the raisin and it shuts down the whole thing?
2: Sometimes the raisins can sort of like sneak in under the radar, you know, where you're not hitting them too hard, and you're hitting the nuts. But then you hit a raisin right on the front, you know. You know what I mean, right on the, the taste bud. Get out of here, with that canola bar. Go to Without bed. The
0: pedestrian life. Of into Christmas. the pouch.
2: The Oddly Pedestrian Life,
0: right on top of a mint, too. Very gross. The Oddly Pedestrian Life of Christopher Chaos, number six from Dark Horse Comics, written by Tate Bromble, art by Isaac Goodhart. This is the end of this first arc where we have Christopher Chaos and his monster friends are being attacked from all sides. And Christopher finally steps up and becomes the hero we knew he could be. You know, I used the word off kilter earlier to talk about Ministry Mm -hmm. of Compliance. I think that's also very applicable here because everything feels a little off all the time. And I think that's in a a great uh, way, in a great way, in a positive way. Um, I really like this book. This feels like nothing else on the stands or anything else that I've ever read. I'm excited to see that it is continuing past this issue.
1: Chris Chaos. Yeah, this is a great issue. Loved all the action. Uh, good guys start winning. So that's always nice uh, stuff. Yeah, it's kind of messed up. They were uh, laughing at Frank with no hand, but uh, great art. uh, Loved all the creative action. Fun-ish.
2: I also uh, really like this. It's really smart, really different. Um, Makes sense. It's coming from our guy uh, from the Tiny Onion Comics line. Uh, Tate brumball writing it uh, reminds me of what's the furthest place from here? A little bit oh, in sort of some tone there. So like, if you like that book, definitely check this out.
0: The mm. Amazing Spider-Man number forty-one. Oh, sorry, real
2: quick, I just want to say one more thing. Uh, going back a little bit, do you imagine? you believe that Captain America's pouches are that messed up? <laughs> like he's stuffing mints in there? Mm-hmm. Is it like a he's like an a person? He probably
0: has like Worthers in at least five of those. Oh, he's oh, got
2: coins. He's got coins in with his yeah, granola Subway bar. tokens.
0: He's like, can you still use these?
2: And Someone's like, hey, man, can I borrow a buck? And he's like, oh, ooh, which pouch is all that in? Like, he's more organized than that.
0: He's all over the place, man. Half a granola bar, mint, Dr. Strange's head. Disgusting. Disgusting. The say? Amazing Spider-Man number forty-one from Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, art by John Romita Jr. We are following two fronts on the gang war in this issue, as Wilson Fisk's literally butts heads with oh. Tombstone, with She-Hulk and Spider-Man caught in the middle. Meanwhile, Beetle is coming directly for the Rose, aka Wilson Fisk's son, and we have some twists potentially in both of these fights we have been enjoying Amazing Spider-Man for the first time in a long time. I think all three of us did that continue in this issue.
1: Pete? Yeah, yeah. So I love this comic. I I really felt like... uh... You know, this did a great job of kind of like really grabbing the reader. I felt like there was a, you know, when this started and you got all these superheroes and villains like jammed in this small room, it's kind of like this, Oh shit, what's about to go down. Uh, I love the tension of that and, uh, uh, really just set up this big giant fight, which was really awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I felt like it was kind of uh, hilarious uh, the way the fight ended, though, where Fist just got a phone call, and he's like, hold on. I have to take this call. And everybody's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who stop- like, if you're in the middle of a fight with somebody, you don't stop because the other person got a phone call. Uh, you keep fighting. But other than that, uh, I mean, Remeter Junior's art's just unbelievable, and uh, yeah, this is just kind of fun, all action, not dealing with the other mad- madness. So I'm happy about this.
2: I agree. This is great, classic Spider-Man. Spider-Man gets to be quippy, not a King ton Ben's of like awesome in this. been so good in it. The tombstone yeah. stuff is great. Uh, th- th- it's just really firing on all cylinders, like you're saying.
0: Mortal Terror number two from Dark Horse Comics written by Christopher Golden and Tim Leban, art by Peter Bergting. I believe Pete and I talked about this last issue and how it basically broke both of our brains. It is a monster flipped book where we're looking at Dracula, but all the humans are vampires and vampires are humans. It's all opposite in terms of how it works. Pete, did it break your brain again in this issue or is your brain OK?
1: Well, uh, it it got a little weird, but I think fun last panel. Um, yeah, it, the, the whole, like, sucking blood, but then being like, uh, not too much. You know, that whole thing got a little weird. But uh, other than that, um, hmm. yeah, I felt like it was cool. I didn't feel too lost. Um, but, yeah, um, it's definitely a weird but interesting story.
2: I really like this. I think it's, uh, I like the flip. I like the way the depth of the world is really nice. It's a great premise that I haven't really seen before. I wish the title was a little more distinct because it it just sounds like another horror book. And I get there's a pun there with mortal terror, but like, it just feels like if the title was a little uh, poppier, I think this book would just be a banger
1: Yeah I just felt like You know The conversation Between two old friends Where the one friend Was like Get it together It smells like Sex in here And the other one Was like I'm a sex vampire now Like fuck you You know Like I, I don't know That's not what man. the dialogue is I, I am Pretty close
2: just, Yeah it it pretty was, pretty <laughs> I say I say that a lot though mm-hmm.
1: smells like sex Do you call here. Do you call Your vampire sex friends Like that Sex friends Yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, is, who are your sex friends these yeah. days? No, I It, it is weird sex when I go friends. over
0: to my sex friend's house and their house smells like sex? I'm like, like hey, oh, wait.
2: Whoa. I
1: just got here. What the fuck? Yes. What?
2: All my sex friends have flaming rats, though. Is that that's true of you guys, too? <laughs> no. All my that's, sex friends you live have that in Texas.
0: Right? All my <laughs> sex friends have flaming rats. Yeah. My other sex friend does a flaming rat. That's oh, my boy! my says. Anyway, My, my flaming wrap
1: Graduated from honors. <laughs> 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 graduated from honors. Boy, I really uh, hope
0: every show this year is like this. <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Strange, number 11, from Marvel, written by Jed McKay, art by Danilo S. Bayruth. After the big events of the past 10 issues, we are sort of getting a dud in one here as Clea and Doctor Strange Take Clea's younger sister out to the carnival and, and, and encounters a new circus of crime. This is very fun. It was a nice refresher after the big last arc. It felt to me, and there's nothing against Jed McKay's writing, but it felt to me like it was a Mark Wade book in a certain mm. way. Yeah, um, yeah. But very fun. And I really like the art. The art sort of leaned into sort of an old school vibe quite a bit. And I really enjoyed that too.
2: Agree. This is such a palate cleanser. Um, I've loved the arcs leading up to this, so it's not like I was needing a break. But it was fun to see, like, just Doctor Strange and Clea having a nice uh, time out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a little bit of the old, uh, oh, God, what could go wrong if Doctor Strange is babysitting? But, you know... The ghost dog kind of stuff at the end was kind of sweet. So that was kind of made up for it a little bit. But uh, yeah, this is adorable, amazing art. Uh, it's kind of a, a cute story. There you go.
0: And that is it for the first stack of 2024. Oh, yeah. The,
1: they had some fun henchmen names. You had Chief Beef and Jim Nasty. Yeah, Chief Beef is fun. Yeah, it's fun. Good. If you'd like to
0: support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also doing a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter slash X comic book club live on TikTok and Instagram comic club live.com. This podcast and many more until next time. We'll see you at the comic workshop.
2: Chief Beef is the name I say uh, when I go to the bar to uh, uh, jack off a no arm (laughs) man. I do it.
1: I do. I I can see it in your face.
2: (laughs) Don't quit your
0: head
1: job. (laughs) Oh, don't quit your head job.